Omi and a Hellcat is a prime example of what I always tell y'all. There is no shortcut to success. Let's chop it up. Hey, yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to the hashtag Get Real Woke podcast. I'm your host, Frederick D. Scott. I'm a private equity investor. I'm a business consultant, philanthropist, author, and contributing writer for Entrepreneur Magazine. I have over 15 years of experience in the finance industry, and I used to own an investment banking and advisory firm. Currently, I hold designations as a financial modeling and valuation analyst, capital markets and securities analyst, commercial banking and credit analyst, and I also hold a diploma in Islamic finance. And today is hashtag Situation Saturday. This is the time during the week where I come on and I bring relevant current events relating to business and finance issues. I bring them back to the community. I break them down so we can together hashtag make it make sense. Now, before I get into today's content, I need everybody to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification. Definitely leave me a comment at the bottom of this episode to let me know what you think. And if you haven't already, I need you to hit that join button if you're on an iPhone. And I'm sorry, if you're on an Android. And if you're on an iPhone, I need you to hit the link in the description or the link that's going to be pinned to the comments at the end of this episode to be eligible to join the hashtag real woke live chat community and be eligible to participate in the hashtag learn to earn cash giveaway where I give away a minimum of $1,000 every month live right here on the hashtag get real woke podcast. All right, y'all, I got a special treat for y'all this week. You know, I, uh, <laughs> you know, we gonna talk about Omi and a Hellcat today. That's what we gonna do. We gonna talk about this situation with Omi and a Hellcat. Now, you know what I mean? This is gonna be a long podcast episode because I'm gonna unpack this thing the right way. And so that being the case, what I'm gonna do is timestamp this at the end of this podcast episode. So that way people that come and see this later can click to relevant areas that they're interested in watching. Now, with that in mind, listen, it's been a lot of press circulating about this situation. A lot of people that did podcast episodes on this situation, but I'm going to add my little two cents into it uh, so we can go ahead and, and, and get this right. All right, now, so let's start with a little background. So for y'all who don't know, this about probably about two, three days ago, four days ago now, Omi and the Hellcat uh, was arrested uh, in connection with his streaming platform, uh, Gears Reloaded, or... Uh, I think it's, it's had a number of different names, but one of them was Gears Reloaded. And the thing about that is, you know, he ended up getting indicted. You know, they arrested him. You know, he made bail, which we definitely going to talk about. We definitely going to talk about that. But um, he made bail. And, you know, like now we, we got we got a we got a situation happening right now. So, you know, according to, you know, the United States Sentencing Guidelines based on his crime, you know, it has come out that he's facing 
uh, roughly 514 years. So 514 years is basically, that's an effective life sentence. That's what we're looking at. But I want to talk about why this is happening. I want to get into it. I want to take a look at everything. And I want to share that with y'all so we can understand what's really happening here, what's really going down, you know and I mean, and why this why this is happening to, to Omi the Hellcat. So I'm gonna start with his indictment. We're gonna start with the indictment because uh definitely got that. So let's go, go ahead and share my screen. Let's go and pull up this indictment and, and let's take a look at this indictment. Now, so here we go. This is the indictment. And as you can see, let me let me make that a little bit bigger for you. Uh give me a second here, let me make that a little bit bigger. So we can talk about this indictment real good. Uh, it's a little bit too big. All right. Now, we're just going to go ahead and get here because that's where we need to be. Now, as you can see, there are a number of charges here on this indictment. And so I kind of wanted to define a few, just a couple of them so you can get an understanding because I've heard a lot of people throwing out a lot of different definitions and things. Some have been right. Some have been wrong. So I just want to clarify this for the record so everybody understands what this is. So first of all, he's charged with conspiracy. What is conspiracy under federal law? Let's take a look at that, right? So federal conspiracy law, legally a conspiracy exists when two or more persons join together and form an agreement to violate the law and then act on that agreement. So I got this from Flex C. Flex C is the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center. So that's where like the FBI, DEA, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That's where they go to get training and everything. So I got this from a flex C manual, uh, that defines conspiracy. So now if we look at the definition of conspiracy and we realize that it takes two or more people to, to, uh, create a conspiracy under federal law. Well, if we look at, you know, the, the indictment here, you see, we got three people there. So we got three people. So they have met the baseline definition for conspiracy that has happened. So therefore, that, that's going to stand. Now, he's got a number of other charges. One that's really interesting, though, and I want to talk about is engaging in monetary transactions derived from a specified unlawful activity. And this is going to be very important as we continue this conversation. So let's define that, right? So engaging in monetary transactions and property derived from specific uh, or specified unlawful activity, whoever in any of the circumstances set forth in subsection D knowingly engages or attempts to engage in a, and let me pull up the other one, monetary transaction in criminally derived property of a value greater than $10,000 and is derived from specified unlawful activity. That's the definition. And that I sourced that from uh, law.cornell.edu. So there that is. Now, that sounds like a very uh, uh, ambiguous definition. So let me break that down for you. So basically, let's, let's look at it like this. Let's say that I decide that I'm going to engage in some sort of uh, illegal activity. Let's just say it's going to be uh, credit card scamming, right? And let's say that, you know, I make over 10 grand. Let's say I make 100 grand from the transaction, right? Anything else I do with that money if I buy a restaurant, if I buy a nightclub, if I buy property, if I do anything like that, right? I have engaged in monetary transactions and property derived from specified unlawful activity because the money that I made, I made from doing something illegal. And then I take that money and I use that money to fund legitimate business or investment opportunities 
it doesn't really matter because the initial money was derived from illegal activity. And so that's where you get that charge from. So because in Omi's situation, the Omi the Hellcat situation, because his streaming service was operating in an illegal manner, which we're going to talk about, and because, you know, it said he made $30 million uh, off of this. So anything he did with that money uh, would trigger this charge. It would be considered illegal. And we're going to talk about more about that when we get into the forfeiture order uh, that I'm going to talk about in a second. Now, a lot of people are, you know, and I've heard, you know, I heard, uh, 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 and I'll talk about him a little bit later, but Anthony Brian Logan, I heard him come out and say that, um, you know, that, that, that Omi and the Hellcat didn't steal anything. I would challenge that 100%. And I'll tell you why, right? So let's go through the indictment. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing because I pinned it, right? So I pinned this to the description. So for anybody that wants to check out this indictment, it's a long one. Um, feel free to do that. But I'm going to just go ahead and show you how this went down, right? You got to understand that when the feds came for this one, when they came to arrest him, yo, listen, they got him dead to rights. They have him dead to rights because they were able to demonstrate what, because they did the research, they got the proof, they got the evidence, they can show you what works. He actually was streaming through his streaming service uh, illegally. Uh, so they they given a, a description of those. Uh, they can even go as far as to show uh, the unauthorized access devices, when they were used, when they were stopped being used, et cetera, et cetera. They've even gone as far as to show the payments to tie the conspiracy together. They can show the payments that were being made from PayPal for various different things, uh, where the start point, because they track the IP address, so where it started from, where it ended from, they got that right here in the indictment. I mean, it's a lot. Like they, when they charged him with bank fraud, uh, what they're what they're using for that is, and I'll read this one, this is a good example, in connection with an application to EMS and Esquire Bank for merchant processing services, defendant Bill Omar Carasquillo falsely represented that the type of goods sold by hosting bros inc was server uh, was a server hosting company which of course it wasn't it was an illegal streaming company now see so when you lie on an application for anything with a financial institution you are inducing them to give you uh, a banking relationship based on inaccurate information and you are defrauding the bank you are misrepresenting the facts and under federal law that's considered bank fraud and so that's why when you go to open business bank accounts personal bank accounts whatever make sure that when you filling out that application you're being truthful because if you try to lie on the application just like i explained in the ppp loan uh update you know what i mean that's bank fraud and and that's a federal situation so you know I mean, and they really, really, really took the time to really, as you can see, break this down. I mean, they even got breakdowns of where the money went, what he bought with the money, all of that. And so that's very important because now I want to talk about this forfeiture order because now let me scroll down to the forfeiture order, right? And it's here. The uh, Okay. So that's count. That's count five. It's a lot of counts here. Let me scroll down to the forfeiture order because that's, that's part of this. And the forfeiture order is, is crazy. Like when I looked at, oh, here it is right here. I'm already scrolling past forfeiture order. 
So notice the forfeiture number one. So there's like, like five or so forfeiture orders in here, right? And I mean, they're not just going after Omi and a Hellcat. They're going after his co-defendants as well, because that's what these people are called, right? They're called co-defendants. And so they, they're showing that, okay, $5 million, they're forfeiting that. $542,000, $294,000, et cetera, et cetera. All vehicles, all these vehicles listed are going to be forfeited, right? He's losing all of that. All the property is going to be forfeited. So he's losing all of that. So, you know, people are saying, well, wait a minute, right? Because if you've been watching Omi and the Hellcat, this started two years ago. So this thing started two years ago and they came in and they took some stuff from him and all of that. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, when they took what they took, he then was able to, because he still had money in other places, he was able to continue to keep operating and, and grow his money even more. Here's the problem. So a lot of people are asking, okay, so how is it that now that they're arresting him, you know, when they already took stuff two years ago, how are they going to take all of his stuff again? Aha, let me tell you. This goes back to engaging in monetary transactions from specific unlawful activities. So with a forfeiture order, once they can establish that the initial money that you made and used to purchase all of this stuff, that that initial money was derived from illegal activity, everything that you did with that money, all the money you made from that money, all the property you bought, all the cars you bought, all of that is subject to the forfeiture order. And let me tell you why. So this goes to the what we call the fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine. And what is the fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine? So basically what that means is that like anything that is tied to the illegal, the initial illegal crime, the initial illegal activity is subject to the fruit of the poisonous tree. It's all derived from the same thing. So essentially what they're saying here is you know what I mean? You could not have been able to do all of these other things had it not have been for this initial illegal activity and the money that you generated from this initial illegal activity. And so because of that, everything else that you've been able to accomplish was started from illegal money gained from an illegal activity. So therefore, now we're going to take everything that, that came that was able to be produced from this illegal activity. It's called fruit of the poisonous tree. So that's what they're using to be able to go after all of his assets. And so now, right, he is in a situation where, you know, he, 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 he's going to lose everything and he's still subject to the time. Now, is what he did illegal? Yes, 100%. Why? Because if you look at the indictment and they broke it all the way out because they really tracked this for really, they, they tracked this, they really built a case on him and it's really unfortunate. So one of the things they did was they used um, uh, uh, these boxes that they got out of China to break the HPDC code. I believe that's what it's called, HPDC code to be able to essentially, and I'm gonna stop sharing my screen now so y'all can see me good. But essentially what they did was they got these boxes. So they, they signed up for streaming services. Then they got these boxes that could break basically the copyright code and allow them to record to a server and stream uh, this, these uh, shows to through their streaming service for a fee. 
And so when they did that, they knowingly and willfully violated the copyright law. They knowingly and willfully used an access device to be able to circumvent uh, the legal things that were put in place to prevent these sorts of things from happening. So essentially what I'm telling you here, like, and what I want you to take away from this part right here is, yo, listen, it's not, you know, cause people are getting caught up in the copyright act, which is very much applicable to the situation. But what he stole was access. He stole the access. That's what he did. So essentially he found a way to get around the situation uh, the 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 uh, technological uh, protections that were put in place by these various different companies to then be able to make a profit from their copyright protected uh, uh, material, and so he he and his co-conspirators knowingly and willfully did this, and that is where the crime is because they did it with intention to uh, reap a monetary profit. And so because of that, they want to make some money. They want to try and get to the bag. And, you know, they was like, by any means necessary, I'm going to get to the bag. That's how that went down. And so because of that, right, they basically, like, they violated the law. There's no way around this. And then there's a tax evasion issue as well. And because, you know, he ain't filed his taxes the right way or he didn't disclose all of his taxes. And one thing about the tax law, even if you uh, derive your property from illegal activity, derive your bag from illegal activity, you still got to declare it and pay taxes on it. Doesn't matter how that money came, you still got to pay the taxes. IRS still want theirs. And so at the end of the day, he ain't filed them taxes properly. And yeah, you could say like, oh, I use some lady at H&R Block or whatever, whatever. Well, that's your fault. Like you should have hired a competent person to file your taxes properly. It would not negate the fact that the the the, the proceeds, the, the the bag you got was derived illegally, that you, you got that illegally. So that ain't going to change nothing, right? But at the end of the day, you went out of tax evasion charge. At least you paid the taxes on the illegal money. But you didn't do that right. And this is why I tell people that have businesses, you know, you need a CPA, like period. You need a CPA. Like there's no way around that. You need a CPA. And you need a qualified, competent CPA, somebody that is... You know what I mean? Like, got experience, incredible. Because if you don't have a CPA, you can't just use, especially when you're talking about millions of dollars, you can't use somebody H&R Block and took a two-week course and now they done showed up to H&R Block and they doing these complex taxes with multi-millions of dollars. Hey, yo, where they do that at? Man, you using the uh, the freshman team when you making pro money. Like, where they do that at? Like, that's crazy. Like, that don't even make no sense. And it, it just sounds really like, it, it, it baffles me because I would think that, you know, Omi and Hellcat would be a little bit smarter than that. I mean, I have a little bit more knowledge than that. I mean, have a little bit more common sense than that. But, hey, man, as I always say, man, common sense isn't coming. So uh, there that is. Now, check this out, right? Now, so we didn't cover the forfeiture order. Now, as I told you, Omi and Hellcat is facing 514 years, right? Now. This, what I'm about to say right now, is my opinion of the situation. This is my opinion on what I think is about to happen next, right? So I want to start off by telling you this, right? For those of y'all, you know, been following me a while, you know I did some fair time. One of the first things I figured out, you know, when I started my sentence, right, was that uh, most people cooperate. Let's start there, right? I realized when I showed up uh, to, the, to the compound, I realized that I was a rare breed. 
Um, like, because I refuse to cooperate. Like, I, I just didn't do it. Like, I ain't cut like that. Like, I ain't built like that. Like, I don't own, move like that. So for me, right, like, when I, when I got to the feds and I realized how many people were cooperating, like, it blew my mind. But when you really look at it, you know, like, it makes sense because, you know, a lot of people that go to the feds is facing them football numbers. You know what I mean? So when you're facing them football numbers, right, you know, and, and, and it, ain't, it ain't in your soul, right? You ain't really built like that. You're not really cut like that, right? You know, it's real easy for you to break under the pressure and start telling on everybody else. So I want you to know that most people in the feds, paperwork ain't right, especially at the camp level, because I was at a camp and I finished, I started at a camp and I finished at a low, right? So at the camp and low level, most people hot, right? Now it changes a little bit when you get to the mediums and the pins, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But so what do I think is going to happen? All right, let me tell you what happened in my situation. Boom. Feds came and arrested me at my office, right? I was on my way into my office when they arrested me. Boom, right? I was in the lobby, right? I never forget it. When I got to FBI headquarters here in New York, they started processing me in. These cats already had the, like the recording equipment set up and everything because they was fully expecting me to cooperate. Right. And they came to me with, the, you know, if you help us out, you know, then we'll let the, the prosecution know that you're working with us and helping us out. And, you know, that'll be favorable for you when it's time for you to get sentenced. And I looked at them ninjas right there and I, looked, I just laughed at them. I was like, ha, I'm not built like that. Lawyer, lawyer. Point blank, period. Lawyer. I don't even want to talk to you. I ain't got nothing to say. Lawyer, 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 lawyer. Like, period. Like, I ain't got nothing to say, right? But now, likely, likely this same situation played out uh, for Omi and the Hellcat, right? And if I were a betting man, if I had to bet money on this, I would bet that he either is going to cooperate. And this is, again, my opinion. But if I were to bet on this situation, I would say that either he's going to cooperate or has already begun to cooperate. Let me tell you why I say that. Okay, let us go ahead and pull up uh, his order of release. His order of release is very, very telling uh, for me. Like that's very, like for me, for somebody who is, you know, has looked at this stuff a lot, you know, and I'm gonna talk to you about that in a little bit of a second. I want to talk about his conditions of release, his condition, his conditions of release order, right? So I have his conditions of release order right here. First of all, one of the most telling things to me, defendant is released on bail in the amount of $50,000 and he got OR. For those of you who don't know what OR is, it stands for own recognizance. That means that you got released on your own. You were able to just walk out as long as you posted the bail. Here's the thing about bail. And a lot of people don't know this, right? So if you've never been in trouble, you never had to deal with these situations, then you really don't understand how the bell game works. So let me explain the bell game to you. Bell game works like this. So if you see that, you know, uh, a, a release on bail in the amount of $50,000. So the, what happens is you're going to go to a bail bondsman. Your people are going to go to a bail bondsman. The bail bondsman is only going to require 10% of that amount and they're going to post the rest so you can get out. So essentially what we learn here in this initial line of, of, of his release order is that he was released. Now, mind you, I want, I, I just want to drive this home again. This is a man facing 514 years, right? This is a man that they have seized cash, money and bank accounts, all of that 
This is a man that if you look at the indictment, right, had already paid money for foreign corporations and all of this kind of stuff, right? So this is a man that, you know, has a little bit of knowledge and reach and access because of his capital. And you mean to tell me for a grand total of $5,000, they let him out? Listen, let me tell you how, because I'm going to tell you how it went down for me, right? And, you know, the loss amount that they were claiming in my situation was like $1.3 million. It was far less than, than the $30 million that they're talking about here, right? My prosecutor fought tooth and nail to keep me from getting bail, and I didn't get it, right? I didn't get bail because if I would have cooperated, yeah, I would have got bail. But because I wouldn't cooperate, I didn't get bail. So here's the thing, right? It is strikingly odd to me. And again, this is my opinion, but this is an opinion rooted in the fact that I've seen a lot of these similar situations and in almost nearly, nearly every situation that I've seen that looks like this, that it has been because of cooperation. So I just want to put that out there, right? So I'm not talking about what I, what, what I heard or what I, what I heard from somebody else and none of that. No, nah, I've seen a number of these situations while I was in the feds, right? So I saw a lot of this right here. So when I start seeing paperwork looking like this, I already have a good indication of what time it is, but I ain't going to throw that bag on him just yet. I'm, I'm going to keep watching the case and it's going to come out. Because one thing about it, that docket sheet looks a certain way when you start cooperating. So I'm going to know like when, when it begins, but like, at the end of the day, right, I, I I I can't throw that on him just yet. So I'm just saying my opinion based on the way the documents is coming out right now. So, you know, the thing about it is, right, you're telling me that this man got out for $5,000 on his own recognizance. Now, let's talk about this a little bit more, right, because it gets even more interesting. Okay, so, yeah, he's got to report to pretrial services. That's normal, right? When you are uh, still fighting your case, you know, you're facing charges and all of that. Like, you still got to go to court. You still got to do all of that. Of course, you know, you're going to have a pretrial uh, services requirement where you're going to have to go see pretrial. Okay, cool. Uh, mental health, you know, they make everybody do that. They recommend, they, they force everybody to go mental health. That's a money thing, right? Random drug testing, whatever. Here's the interesting thing. There is no X on defendants shall submit to electronic monitoring at the following address. He doesn't even have an ankle bracelet on. So they are not monitoring him at all, right? So what they're basically saying is we're going to let you out, you know, to freely roam around, you know, on your own within the jurisdictions that we tell you you can be in, right? We're not going to monitor you with an ankle monitor. You know, basically you can get out for five five rats. And, you know what I mean, just when we, you know, check in with us once a month or however they're going to tell them to do that. But outside of that, we're not monitoring you. you free to move about. That is not normal in a situation like this. I'm sorry. It is not normal in a situation like this. It's not. It's not. Bail is usually a lot higher. They want an ankle monitor. They, they, they want all of that. They want to be able to make sure you can't go nowhere. Now, in all fairness, you know, he is, you know, on a federal no-fly list zone right now, on a federal no-fly list or whatever at this point. So if you try to get on an airplane or, you know, anything like that that's going to lead the country, it's going to be a problem for him. But I mean, just like people enter the country illegally, people leave the country illegally too. So, I mean, it is strikingly odd that he has so much latitude, right, uh, on this release order uh, uh, with so much time and such and, and so many charges. It, it is very, very telling, right? But, you know, I ain't going to say 100% that he's cooperating. But if I were a betting man, that's where I would be putting my money. So I'm going to just leave that like that, right? Um so, so those things right there 
are 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 very 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 telling to me when it comes to you know whether or not he is or uh or, or is or isn't going to cooperate and now here's the interesting thing about that right you got to understand that only in the hellcat is the head of his indictment what does it mean to be the head of an indictment that means you 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 like the kingpin you the head cheese of the indictment right you got co-defendants but you the head head right so now only in the hellcat ain't gonna be the only one cooperate everybody in this situation is going to cooperate I am pretty confident of that. In my opinion, I believe all three of these gentlemen are going to cooperate. They're going to try to throw each other under the bus, all of that. And, and I just want to say this too, and this is another reason that, you know what I mean, leads me to believe that there is a high, high probability outside of, you know, outside of his, uh, 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 outside of what I showed you in the black and white, the paperwork, right? Outside of that, you know, when he got arrested, you know, his, his girlfriend or wife or whoever she is was recording this live on, on Instagram. And, you know, I'm not sharing any of the videos or anything like that. I dropped them in the, the links in the description, but I'm not sharing any of the videos because I know folks going to feel a real way about this. And I ain't trying to deal with no copyright strikes or nothing like that. But in the video, when he was sitting in the back of the Malibu, right, I guess somebody had made a comment on live like, no, not the Malibu. And and his his girl read it to him and he was like, you know, he yelled out the window, you know, only in a Hellcat and a, and a Malibu, imagine that, right? And then I guess the the, the federal officer, you know, the, the FBI agent said something to him, like, probably like, stop talking or don't say nothing or quiet down or whatever. And he was like, man, I ain't even do nothing. Hey, bruh, I done seen a lot of them type cats right there in the feds. And, and you know, when the paperwork come out, they always hot. That's all I'm going to say. They always, they not built. They not built. That's just it. They not built like they not built. And that said a lot right there. So, you know, what I mean, he he, he, he not built like I, I'm sorry. He not built. That's just it. Like so that's another indication to me that tells me that he finna crack under this pressure and, and get to singing like a church bird. Like, that's what I think. Like, he's going to be a little songbird in there. Tweet, 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 tweet. Anyway, um, let's keep it on moving now. Because he's the head of his indictment, right? Obviously, the other two people, if they cooperate, which, again, I believe they will, um, they're going to be trying to throw him under the bus. Now, since Omi is the head of his indictment, who does he tell on? This is where it gets really interesting, right? Because what the feds like to do, and a lot of people don't understand this, what the feds like to do is what's called laddering. What is laddering? So they grab up one person, they put that serious time on them, they put that pressure on them. And of course, most people fold like, you know, them little lawn chairs and cheap lawn chairs. They fold like lawn chairs and they tell on other people. People that are the heads of their indictment usually tell on other crimes and other people that are committing illegal activity that they know about that has nothing to do with their indictment or the people on their indictment. That's what generally happens. You know, so when I look at this situation, I'm going to tell you like this, right? There's this book I read a long time ago called As a Man Thinketh. And in that book, James Allen said it like this. People don't attract what they want. They attract who they are. So peep this, right? If you are a person that's, you know, for lack of a better word, with the shits, right? And you're willing to cross a few lines, break a few laws to get to the bag. You're basically willing to get to the bag by any means necessary. Then that's who you are. And so the type of people that you're naturally going to attract to you are people that are of the similar mindset, the similar mentality, right? They want to 
uh, uh, they're willing to get to the bag by any means necessary. And so, you know, with that in mind, you know, of course, y'all probably work together on certain things that you don't talk about or you know about each other's little dirt and, and, and BS. So nine times out of 10, what's going to happen is a lot of people that's been hanging out with Omi, talking to Omi, getting cool with Omi, you know what I mean, that he that he kick it with, right? You're going to see a lot of them people start getting indictments. Why should I tell you? Why should I tell you? Why, remember I said this now. Remember I said this. And so, like, I think about people, you know, certain individuals, and I ain't going to name no names here, right? I ain't going to do all of that. But I think about certain individuals that were like at his birthday party that I've always suspected were into some funny business anyway, right? You know, that was on YouTube or on uh, Instagram, you know, posting, you know what I mean, lies from his birthday party and things of that nature. Hey, man, like a lot of them people you're going to probably see get indicted here, you know, over the next, you know, couple years and things of that nature, right? He going to start a lot of cases on a lot of people. Why should I tell you, right? That's my opinion, though. Now, I want to come back and say again, this is my opinion, right? This is what I think based on my experience, right, with having been in the feds, seen a lot of paperwork, looked at a lot of paperwork, had to assess a lot of paperwork, right? This is what my opinion is based on experience, right? So that's just that right there. Now, now. Here's the, the bad thing about it. And this is where it gets real ugly for Omi and the Hellcat. Omi and the Hellcat is damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. What do I mean by that? If he doesn't cooperate, he's going to get an effective life sentence, period. Because, I mean, I'm going I'm to tell you why everything went wrong for him in the end. But let, 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 let's, let's just deal with this. Yo, listen, like, if he don't cooperate, he's going to get an effective life sentence. 514 years is an effective life sentence. Hell, 100 years is an effective life sentence at his age. So, I mean, you know, at, at this point, no matter how you cut it, that's an effective life sentence. But if he cooperates, right, my opinion on this situation is even with cooperation, unless he's got something that is so monumental that it affects the safety and security of national security in the United States, Hey, man, ain't going to be no talks of immunity. It ain't going to be that, right? He going he gonna to get out of some of that time. What they going to do is they going to drop some of the charges, offer him a plea deal. He going to take that plea deal. And in my opinion, I think that Omi gets anywhere from 20 to 30 years with cooperation. That's what I think. That's where I think this plays out with a plea deal and cooperation. I think he'll end up still getting like 20 or 30 years. Here's the bad thing about that. So in the feds, you have different custody levels uh, based on the amount of time you have, your custody classification, and all of that, right? So here we go. In order to qualify to go to a federal prison camp, which is like club fed, right, you have to have less than 10 years on your sentence to be able to go to a federal prison camp. Now, you have to have less than 20 years to go to a low and you have to have less than 30 years to go to a medium. Anything over that, you go into the pen. So if he gets anything above 30 years, he's going to a penitentiary. But it doesn't even matter because even if he gets 20 years, he's still going to a medium. And the thing about the medium and the pens, and I've talked to, you know, I never went to a medium. Well, actually, I can't say that because when I was pre-trial, uh, the pretrial detention facilities are considered uh, mediums, right? And they operate like mediums. So, yeah, I guess I was in a medium. I did see a lot of crazy stuff go down in there, like with people cooperating and snitching and doing all of that, going back and forth to court. 
You want to see a person get a knife put in them real quick? Let niggas find out he going back and forth to court. Word. Like, it's, it's an automatic issue. Like, it's automatic consequences. So let's just leave that. But uh, so with, with the type of time that he's looking at, even with cooperation on a plea deal, right? We talking about like, like, I believe 20 to 30 years, he going to end up at a medium or a pen. Here's how it works at the mediums and the pens. And this is after you've been sentenced and you actually going to serve your time. Now you're going to a real prison, right? At the medium and the pens. And I've talked to a lot of people that have been at the mediums and the pens that, you know, kept their nose clean, able to get to the lows, able to get to the camps, all of that, right? Yo, listen, you got 30 days to produce your paperwork, 30 days, 30 days. It's called a paperwork party. And we used to do them at the camp too, but we did them for different reasons, right? We did paperwork parties because, you know, at the camp, you know, it's a lot of kind of, you know, freedom and latitude and it's a lot of things that you can do at the camp. Uh, but what you're able, the level of participation in things is dependent on your paperwork, right? So if your paperwork ain't right, you know, there's certain things that you're just not going to be able to participate in. But if your paperwork is 100, you know what I mean? Then you got, you pretty much got carte blanche access to everything, right? Unless you turn into a prison snitch. And then that's a whole different thing. You know what I mean? But, you know, people do that. It's people that I done seen in, in, in the feds that like, you know, ain't telling their case, but they they, they tell on, they telling in prison. Where the hell they do that at? Like, you ain't telling your case, what you telling in prison for? Wait a minute, mind your business. Like, but anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. Anyway, so check this out, right? So, boom. Paperwork party works like this. When you get there, you got 30 days to produce your paperwork. If you don't produce your paperwork in 30 days, they run you up top. What they mean is by run you up top, you got to go to the hole. You got to go to 23 and 1. You got to go to lockdown. You got to check in, baby. You got to check in. You got to go up top, period. You got to check in. And if you don't check in, right, and, and, and if you don't check in, here's the thing. If you don't check in, they're going to they gonna put that steel in you. That means that they, so what people do is it like they, they, they'll take off like a piece of the locker and they'll get the, uh, the, the bottom of the, uh, they'll turn over like a buffer and they'll take the buffer pad off. And if you take the buffer pad off, it's like a little, a, the little spinny part, right? You can sharpen steel with that. Like I done seen it done. So I know, I know what's up, right? They coming to put that steel in you. Like they, they're going to try to kill you in there. You can't be at the medium in the pen and be a rat. So even if he cooperate, he going to spend his prison time on 23 and 1 lockdown. He going to be up top. He ain't going to be able to go to no compound because even like even at the pen level in some of the mediums, they got what they call snitch compounds where, you know, everybody over there is over there because they cooperate and they can't go to a normal uh, medium or pen because, you know, their paperwork ain't right and they ain't going to make it. Even on a snitch compound, like you still got, you know, rules and regulations and things like that. It's still certain things that they ain't going for even there. It's still prison politics even there. So he ain't really safe no matter where he go, right? So that's the thing about it. So like, oh, me and the Hellcat is damned if he do, damned if he don't. Either you're going to get the effective life or you're going to be on 23 and 1 in the feds. Like, that's just really what that's going to be. You hit. But one thing about it, you ain't getting out of this time. You're going to prison. Like you are going to prison. One thing is I know and two things for sure from experience, whether you right, wrong or indifferent, if the feds want you to do time, you doing time. You got to understand who you're dealing with here, right? These, this is the United States government. This is the same people that send folks over to go to other countries and do things. 
You know what I mean? This is the same people that got a permanent seat on the United Nations Securities Council. This is the same country that's a part of, you know, the same government part of the G7, the G20, you know, all of that. Like, so I need you to understand who you're playing with here. Like, they ain't no, ain't no, ain't no, like, rules here. They do what they want to do. Like, bottom line, period. And when they come for you, you gonna go sit down. So, Omi and the Hellcat is going to sit down. So, anybody that's thinking Omi and the Hellcat ain't going to sit down, you dead wrong. You dead damn wrong. I'm here to tell you 100% he going to do some time. And in my opinion, he going to do 20 to 30. Because in my opinion, he going to cooperate. Period. Period. If he isn't already. And based on that order of release, right, I believe, in my opinion, it has already begun. Anyway, now. So now, where did Omi go wrong, right? I want to talk about where he went wrong. Because this could have been avoided, in my opinion. I think this could have been avoided. So number one, why did Omi do what he did, right? He wanted to get to the bag. And see, when you start a streaming service and you want to like get into streaming and doing all of that stuff, it's a lot of contracts, negotiation, things you got to do to be able to stream somebody else's stuff on your platform. And the problem with that is a lot of the larger companies like Netflix, like um, YouTube, like Hulu, Amazon Prime, a lot of them have like exclusive agreements with the movie production houses. So they're they're that movie productions con houses, certain parts of their content, certain content can only be streamed exclusively on that streaming service. So a lot of the stuff he was streaming, he would not have been able to stream because he would not have been able to get contracts for it. Number one. Right. But number two, these these production houses don't just deal with everybody. So it would have been difficult for him to be able to even, you know, what I mean, get into how these conversations anyway, because. You know, he don't know nobody. Number three, right? Let's deal with the other fact of the situation, which is, you know, at that time, I would imagine that he didn't have the money to even, you know, build the type of relationships, get the type of law firms necessary to be able to, you know, make the contacts to be able to have those kind of sit downs to have that negotiation for a streaming service. So there you go. Right. So it's a lot of reasons why he did it this way. Right. He was trying to get to that bag and he knew he couldn't get to it any other way. But if he did it this way, starting a streaming service. Right. So that's how he did it. Right. Now, uh, so the other thing about that is, right, by doing it this way, he was able to undercut the market. What do I mean by that? He was charging less for his streaming service than everybody else was, and that's why he was able to get to the bag so quickly. I mean, hell, if you're still in the access and streaming it, you know, it ain't, it ain't costing you nothing but the cost of the boxes so to ran, and the cost of the monthly service fee for, you know, whatever streaming services you pulling this content from. Right. So it was really cheap to get in. So at that point in time, I mean, I think that I think I heard he was charging like 10, 15 dollars a month or something like that to each person. You know, people are happily pay that because they get access to all these shows that they wouldn't have got access to any other way. You know what I mean? For this price. So they, they jumped on that. Right. If he had never been able to negotiate the contracts, you know, to be able to do this legally in the right way. The, the cost of doing it legally in the right way would have forced him to have to increase his price point which would have made him, which he would have been charging around about the same that like what Netflix and Hulu and all the rest of them charge. So because of that, you know what I mean? And his profit margins would have been a lot thinner. So it wouldn't have been as profitable for him to do it the right way. So this is why he did it that way, right? Now, where did Omi and the Hellcat go wrong? I'm gonna keep it all hundred with you, tell you where it went wrong, right? Omi and the Hellcat got a big mouth. He got a big mouth. That's it. Like, you know, I imagine, and, and I used to be this way, so I understand it, right? So I'm going to just put out that I used to be this way, right? He suffers from what I call attention-seeking behavior, right? And what do we mean by attention-seeking behavior? People that have attention-seeking behavior are the types of people that like, 
You know what I mean? They want everybody to see what they got, see how successful they are. They want to flash. They looking for validation, right? They looking for self-worth in, in, in other people's opinions, right? And I used to be like this because I was very insecure as a child, right? I was kind of nerdy. You know what I mean? You know, all of that. You know, I ain't really start getting girls to high school. You know what I mean? And even then, you know, I wasn't getting the baddie or the baddie or the baddie. You know what I mean? So, you know, it was a lot of things, you know, people used to, you know, I clown, but they used to clown me too. You know what I mean? So it creates a security issues. I would imagine that Omi and the Hellcat was one of those type of people. You know, he was probably big his whole life. So people probably picked on him because he was big. You know, he, he really ain't built like that. Like you could see that when he was in the back with the feds, you know, when I got arrested, I was talking hot to them niggas like dead ass. I was talking hot. Like I was talking hot as fish grease to him. Like I ain't no caregiving. Period. Like I was talking, uh -uh. he wasn't doing that. Right. He was, he was more like, you know, uh, he was more like crying, like, you know, he didn't really do nothing. So, you know, he was kind of always a softy, right? So people kind of probably picked on him and took advantage of him. Right. So, you know, when he got the little streaming service jumping, right. When he got that cracking or whatever, you know, like and he started getting to the bag, you know, now he want to show everybody, you know, look at me now, you know, I was this now look at me, you know, now, and now he did it, you know, because he got the bag, you know, it's like, uh, I believe it was, it was either Cardi B or Nicki Minaj that said it's something like a, like like the money that make a, a ninja handsome, right? So, you know, because he got the bag, you know, he able to get the baddies now, right? So he was feeling himself and, you know, he want to show off, you know, his cars, his house, his lifestyle, look at me, look at me, look at me. See, the problem with doing stuff like that, right, this is why, and, and Meek Mill said it best. Gangsters move in silence and I don't really talk a lot, right? Because the reality of the situation is, is like this. Like when you do it like that, when you put all your money out there and all the things that you got out there, yeah, you draw attention, but you draw attention, right? Other people start looking at you that you really don't want looking at you. Like the feds. Gangsters move in silence. So you know you out here on this YouTube, in these YouTube streets trying to show off, trying to floss, trying to front, trying to flex, do all of that, right? And the feds just... Here they come. Here they come. Because they want to know how you got that money, right? Because you got to remember, right? You know what I mean? Like these, these cats, you know what I mean? Like these fed cats, they went to school, right? They got degrees. Like these prosecutors, they went to, you know, law school and everything, you know. And you over here flashing and stunting on them and doing all of that. Like, and, and you know what I mean? You, you got, and you mad extra about it too. You're not just flashing. You mad extra. You got to have a ring on every finger. You got to have like 30 chains on. You trying to look like a rapper. My dude, you're not a rapper. And rappers don't get money like that anyway. You know what I mean? The people that really get the money are the people you never see or never hear about. Watch this. You heard about LeBron James and how much money he makes, right? But when he was playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, and anybody drop a comment if they know the answer right now, right? Hey, man, who the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers? I'll wait. See what I'm saying? These cats you don't see like that. They ain't out there flashing. Where the Bill Gates and the and where you see the Bill Gates and the and the and the and the and the, and the Warren Buffett's of the world out here flashing with thirty thousand chains? Where they do it at? That's hood rich. That's ignorant ninja uh, shit. That's what that is, right? That's ignorant. That's what that is. You doing ignorant things, and so you know what I mean. Like when and and, and they make it so bad, right? You know, you bring this attention on yourself, and then they come. Then they come uh, 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 talking to you, right? They come to press up on you and and, and, and and you still talk hot. So now this is where we even left because now, right, they came two years ago and started taking stuff. You knew what time it was already. And instead of being smart and getting quiet and getting low and trying to work out a deal or whatever, 
you want to come on YouTube and talk about how hot and talk about how you know dumb they are and how you ain't do nothing wrong and blah blah blah. Now not only you flashing what you got, but you talking hot at the same time to the feds. It's like you thumbing your nose at them, like ah, catch me if you can. Like I'm cut like that. And then then you want to start broadcasting. You know, yeah, they took all my stuff, but look at all this stuff I got now. You know, my bag's still up. You know, I got my bag back up even more. So blah, 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 blah. Cool, great, wonderful, right? But they peeping you the whole time. They came and got your stuff the first time. They still investigating. You thought it was quiet. You knew this was this day was coming, but you're still out there talking hot. So you daring them. You dared them. And so they're they finna make an example out of you because that's what they do. Like, that's what these feds do. They make examples. They finna put down a demonstration now. They finna show everybody that it's real. And this is what happens when you carry on being, being ignorant and acting hood rich. They don't, they're gonna show you now. They're gonna show you who they are. They know you made your money from illegal activity. And you got the gall and the, and the stones and the balls to show up on YouTube talking hot about it. Yeah, they're gonna put down a whole demonstration. So, you know, what should have happened? So what do what should have happened? What should have happened is when they came and got him the first time and started taking his stuff, he should have got the top law firm, top lawyer that he could find, and he should have started trying to negotiate a deferred prosecution agreement right then. He had the money. Oh, he had the money. All he had to do was negotiate a deferred prosecution agreement. He could have pled guilty to the deferred prosecution agreement, cut him a check for 30 or 40 million dollars. You know what I mean? They would have been, you know, he had to be cool for five years. Don't do nothing. You know, stay on a straight and narrow for five years. They would have dismissed the charges. He would have been good to go. But instead of doing that, he want to come on YouTube and talk hard and cry and, and, and seek more validation. Attention, seek, attention seeking behavior. You know what I mean? That's how that went down. That's why he's in the position he's in right now. This is what happens when you do dumb things and you continually do dumb things, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, hey, man, like it, it is what it is. So, you know what I mean? That's what I think. And then they make it even worse, right? Now, check this out. So I'm going to play this video for you. Like, after getting arrested, after getting on, getting released on bail, right? Here he go, right? Now, right, he want to go talk to the press. He want to talk out with the press. Check this out, man. Let me play this, right? This this one I am going to play because this this one I ain't, I ain't worried about a copyright issue. And this this Fox right here. So, you know, we can, we can do this one. So I'm going to go ahead and play this one right here. And I want y'all to peep this out, right? And y'all, we're gonna we gonna make it, we're gonna laugh together. Expensive crazy. jewelry and megawatt smile. He's the YouTube and Instagram sensation known as Omi in a Hellcat. But in this 62 count federal indictment, he's known counts. by his government name, Bill Omar Carasquillo, charged with conspiracy to commit copyright infringement, tax evasion, and fraud. I don't think I ever did anything wrong. Obviously, I was running businesses wide open in, in the public. So now we just got to see, we're going to have our day in court now. Fresh out of federal custody and with camera in hand, the 34-year-old social media star spoke with us outside his Swedesboro home. The property dotted with nearly a dozen white high-end cars, SUVs, and motorcycles. You're saying you're completely innocent of those? Um, not completely innocent would be a, a, a false statement. Now, ignorance is no excuse for the law. Carasquillo is accused of running an illegal multi-million dollar TV streaming empire by retransmitting cable signals from companies like Verizon and Comcast. He would then charge a $15 monthly subscription. I found a loophole. 
I ran through it and I did great. Back in November of 2019, Carasquillo's home was raided by agents who hauled away more than $35 million in assets, confiscated dozens of properties around Philadelphia, a Bentley, a Tesla, and a Rolls Royce. Do I think that I that I blatantly just ran away from the law and, and tried to evade and try to money? None of that stuff I've ever done. But like, see, that's the thing, right? So we ain't, that's not the that that's not what people are talking about. That's not what they're charging. Anybody say you try to blatantly run or do nothing like that? They telling you stole access to something and reaped a monetary gain from it illegally. That's what it is. So here's the other thing, right? Like, there's another video out, and I, I couldn't find it before I started my podcast where he, you know, when they asked him if he had believed he had, you know, was completely innocent. And he was like, nah, that wouldn't be a statement of fact. He basically said, you know, I might have done some, I, I did some things, you know, with my taxes that, you know, weren't right or something like that. So even after being arrested, even being after being released on bail, you still out talking to the press, admitting to crime. So, I mean, you know, let's talk about compounding stupid. Like, I mean, where they do that at? Like, this is the time where you shut up, stop talking, get off social media, be quiet and, 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 and work this out. But I mean, you know, like, I mean, hey, like, I, hey, man, like everybody ain't built for this. Like everybody, everybody do how they do. So whatever. Now, you know, let's talk about another thing. So I, um, I saw this podcast episode from Anthony Brian Logan, uh, ABL. And, you know, in that podcast, he said that, uh, in his opinion, he didn't believe that, uh, uh, Omen and Hell Hellcat stole anything. He believed that uh, the, the, he just embarrassed the feds. Uh, hey, ABL, I just want to tell you, like, hey, man, I watch your podcast episodes and, you know, I, I, I mess with your content, right? You know what I mean? I do. And you say there's a lot of stuff that's on point, but I got to keep it a whole hundred with you this time. You got it wrong, right? And I encourage you to read the indictment and and, and check this out because, uh, yeah, like, they got him dead to rights. Like, there, there ain't no question about that. He is 100% guilty and is 100% finna uh, do some time. Uh, and it's funny, right? Like, okay, so check this out, right? Just side note real quick. Uh, Intertexas society said, uh, dude is literally self snitching. Hey man, that's a fact. That is a fact. And here's the interesting thing about people who self snitch. Hey man, if you're snitch on yourself, haha, hey man, you're going to tell on everybody else, baby. You're going to do that because you tell on yourself. Who tells on themselves where they do that at? What part of the game is that? Hey man, make it make sense. I need the hashtag make it make sense at this point. But yeah, like what, what you what you say in Texas society is exactly right, right? You know what I mean? A person that are, that are tell on themselves uh, generally tend to tell on everybody else too. I mean, just, and that is a common thing that I've seen in the feds uh, when I did fed time. That was a common thing I've seen. People would tell on themselves and happily tell on everybody else because you got to think about it like this. If I don't care about myself, right? And I'll tell on myself, what makes you think you stand a chance? Oh, I. Right. So now, lastly, so, you know, I want to talk about another podcast episode I saw and I'm not, you know, I posted the link in the description and y'all can just go ahead and get to the part of the video because I timestamped a part of the video. But uh, Tasha K talked about this last night and I, I watched it because I kind of figured that last night she would probably talk about Omi and a Hellcat and she did. Right. And one of the things she said was that, um, she agreed that she wished, like she thought it was very clever and she wished he had have gone the extra step, you know, to do it the right way, basically, right? But she basically felt that, you know, that, you know, that he shouldn't be getting in trouble because a lot of other people do this and blah, 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 blah. 
She went on to say, and this is the part I want to touch on real quick, right? She went on to say, number one, that what he was doing isn't any different than sling YouTube TV and all of that. So, you know, I just want to say to all those out there, right, that that watch her and that, you know what I mean, like, you know, listen to her and things of that nature that are going to see this podcast episode. I want you to know that she's 100% wrong on that point because that is, they are not the same things. Sling, Hulu, all of these streaming services, YouTube TV have actually done it the right way and negotiated the right agreements to be able to make this legal, right? And so, you know what I mean? Like, he did not do that. And that is what the market difference is, right? That changes the entire game. So that makes them completely different. And so to say that what he was doing is exactly like what they're doing is wrong because, and, 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 and to be honest with you, like I take issue with that because what you're essentially telling people is, you know, what he did was okay if he would have done another thing, but you don't name what that other thing was. And that other thing was negotiating the right agreements, which is the hardest part is getting the agreements to be able to do this. That's the hardest part of getting the streaming service off the ground. And it costs a whole lot of money to be able to do that. So, you know what I mean? Like money that he likely didn't have at that point when he launched his streaming service initially. So here's a market difference, right? And that that difference between them doing it legally and negotiating the agreements and getting authorization to stream the content and not, and, and what he did which was just stream it illegally, right? Is a huge, huge, huge difference. And I need that to be very clear to all the listeners that are going to end up seeing this podcast. Okay, now, another thing that she said was that, um, you know, and this is, again, you know, she I guess she was trying to, you know, stand in solidarity with him or whatever. And she was like, you know, I probably got three or four families or two or three families that, you know, I can't remember if it was two or three families or three or four families that, you know what I mean, share my uh my my account that I share my accounts with right now or something to that effect, right? Y'all can go listen to it for yourself. I pinned it in the comments. You know, this is again this this seeking validation, this you know, solidarity, you know, likely she, you know, aligned herself with him to probably, you know, potentially pull some of his following, grow her following base. But the problem with YouTube, right, and the problem with being a content creator on YouTube, right, is that you got to have sufficient knowledge to do this, right? You know, and yes, I will admit that, you know, she's built a dynamic, large, you know, uh, uh, YouTube following, and that's great. But at what cost are you willing to grow and maintain that following? Because when she said that, and this is why knowledge is so important, and I would recommend to all content creators uh, but specifically in this situation, Tasha K, you know, I know that you got cards that you read from. So you're actually outlining your content for your podcast episodes. I would recommend that you run that content past your legal uh, before you go on and say certain things, because certain things you say put you in a situation. And let me explain that to you. So when you said that, you know, two or three families share your streaming services, when you said that uh, two or three or three or four, whatever it was, uh, families share your streaming accounts. You admitted to violating, because there's a federal law on this, you admitted to violating publicly, you admitted to violating the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, right? There is a federal law out there on the books 
that specifically says that it is a federal crime to share your password with other people. In fact, the Ninth Circuit, the federal Ninth Circuit uh, in 2016 issued a ruling that affirmed the fact that sharing your password in certain instances is a violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. So you see where not knowing the law is a problem and how would this be an issue? So when you share your streaming account, you know, let's say I, you know, a person has a, 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 a Amazon Prime account and they have Amazon Video, they have a Netflix account or a Hulu account, and they're sharing that account uh, with a number of other people to be able to log into it and have access to it. Well, that violates the terms of use uh, for these companies. And now when you take it deeper, because those people are accessing the account through your user ID and password, those people are not paying that company. And so therefore that company is losing revenue because of your violation of their terms of use. And so when that happens, right, because you shared your password to be able to give them the ability to do that, you violate the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. And you can be subject to federal criminal penalties for that, not civil, criminal. This is a federal crime. And I need you to understand that because, you know what I mean, when you say that kind of stuff publicly, you putting yourself in a situation that you really, honestly, Tasha K, if I'm going to keep it real with you, you really don't have the position to put yourself in right now because there are certain things that you've broken recently on a certain situation, right, based on information that you got from a certain uh, federal government employee, right, that are probably going to give a certain individual a get-out-of-jail-free card. And what you really don't understand about that, right, is while you may not be directly in trouble for that, you got to understand that the people that prosecute these cases, people that, are that, that, that investigate these cases are human at the end of the day. And a case such as that one was a very high profile case with a very high profile person. And so these kind of cases are career making for prosecutors and uh, FBI agents and things like that. So if that case goes left, right, which, you know, there's a possibility for that to happen at this point based on what's come to light, based on that situation right there. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's going to be some upset people about that and they're going to want to they, they going to want to pound the flesh for that. They're going to have a vendetta about that and they're going to want to come see you about that. Why? Because the fact of the matter is, it, it, you know, like that's just basic human nature. If you mess up my promotion, you mess up my ability to progress uh, further in my career and I can pinpoint you for doing that or anyone for doing that. I'm going to want some get back for that. You know what I mean? I'm going to want some get back. And so when you are already in a situation where they are watching you, it's probably not a good idea to admit to a federal crime, which is why it's very important that when you do this kind of stuff, and this goes for all content creators, that you run your content by a legal advisor to make sure that you're not violating the law. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just letting you know that, you know what I mean? That's not very smart. So you gotta, you got to be more careful. You got to be more careful. I mean, that's all I'm saying. So, you know, but I do watch your content from time to time. You know, um, I, I, I like your content, you know, overall and all of that. So I just, you know, I just want to put that out there. 
Um, so, so, so that's where that's at. So just, you know, be more careful, be more careful, be more smart, be vigilant, you know, cause not caring, not knowing the law, none of that is an excuse. And when it comes to a federal criminal prosecution procedure and trial and all of that, none of those are defensible excuses. I don't care. I didn't know. None of that really matters. So, you know what I mean? You, you got to remember that, you know, most prosecutors, most judges, most FBI investigators, all of these people are not, they, they are not, they don't look like us, right? And in a country where, you know I mean, we've endured 400 plus years of, you know what I mean, uh, 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 harsh treatment, uh, be it slavery, be it Jim Crow, be it mass incarceration, you know, you, you don't, you just don't want to lay it in their lap. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't want to hand it to them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, make them do their job at least. Like, don't give it to them. Like, you know what I mean, like that. So be careful. That's all I wanted to say. Anyway, y'all. Hey, listen, that's all I got for y'all today. Hey, man, listen, I hope y'all enjoyed this content. If you like this content right here, yeah, I'm going to need you to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification. Definitely leave me a comment at the bottom of this episode. Let me know what you think. And if you haven't already and you're on an Android phone, I definitely need you to hit that join button. And if you're on an iPhone, I need you to hit the link in the description or the link that's going to be pinned to the comments at the bottom of this episode so you can join the hashtag Real World Live Chat community, which will make you eligible to participate in the hashtag Learn to Earn Cash giveaway, where I give away a minimum of $1,000 every month live right here on the hashtag Get Real World Podcast. Lastly, y'all know I got them hashtag for the free resources. I'm definitely going to drop those in the cards for y'all so y'all can check those out. But uh, aside from that, y'all listen, I appreciated y'all spending some time with me, you know what I mean? And until the next hashtag situation Saturday, I'm out!